Clippers still fits! Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. McDaniel will end it in style. Arkansas is in hog heaven. They've won the first ever national championship. You're still missing your free throws, West? Who cares? They don't show free throws in Sports Center. Here's Washington. On the drive. I don't know if he'll make any change, but I figure it's time for me to start playing ball. And they do it in stunning fashion. Over the number two team in the country. Fact is, I missed this shot. I walk away. I'm still a chump. You're listening to the Halftime Podcast. You can watch two games at the same time on the same television screen. And, uh, boy, you would have seen two total blowouts uh, by your favorite team uh, yesterday. One in a game that midweek baseball game is always going to be weird. You never quite know if that's a true uh, a true uh, display of, uh, of of pitching more than anything else, uh, and then on the other side of it, when it comes down to the NIT, I don't really think I don't really even think you know uh, what what you're watching yesterday based upon the opponent that you were watching and wh- how emotionally invested the Providence Friars were. But there's no doubt about it, and it was weird, very weird, to see Arkansas playing without Daniel Gafford. I mean, just no matter what would have happened on the court yesterday, if they would have laid an egg or if they would have put up 150 points, it was just very odd to see Arkansas without uh, Daniel Gafford. And then you then add in the idea that they played so well without their best player, and, boy, a, a total blowout. I don't know if that has much to say about what next year will look like, uh, but uh, but it, right now, that's what this year looks like. And from what we saw from the Razorbacks yesterday against Providence, they may get themselves a little bit of a run through the NIT and maybe even get all the way to Madison Square Garden. It's just going to take a couple more wins to do it, albeit uh, it would be a tough one on the road at Indiana coming up on Saturday. Um, reports that Romeo Langford may not play in that ball game for the same reasons that Daniel Gafford decided to not play for Arkansas in the NIT. Uh, but wow, I mean, that, let's get with basketball first. We'll get to baseball uh, later on. Wow, I mean, how else to put it? Wow, Ty, that, that that didn't look like the same Arkansas team that just didn't have much energy against Florida. Uh, it was an impressive performance right down from the from the tip off till the end of it. That looked like a team that was invested, didn't it? Did if we we can't call the NIT if you're basing it on yesterday's game, the nobody's invested tournament because I don't know I don't know what Mike said to them I don't know how they are viewing this but it is it is obvious that uh, from Adriel Bailey all the way down through Reggie Cheney, that team looked invested they looked like they they thought that that's an important ball game that this is an important tournament and and I also feel like they they probably went in with a chip on their shoulder. I don't know a lot of people around here that gave them a chance, you and me included. But the way they played yesterday, they looked like they they could beat almost any team that's in this tournament. I'm not saying they would do the same in the NCAA, but uh, wow. I mean, that's the that's the first thing I take from it is just the WOW. Yeah, they start on a 20-9 and run, and in that run, they hit five triples. Adriel Bailey gets an and one, really started out hot, and that propelled them the rest of the game. Phil, if you look at this game outside with about five minutes into the first half, Arkansas had the win probability in their favor the entire game. The only time that Providence even got close in the second half was when they cut it to the shortest deficit, which was 10 points, and the Desi Sills comes right back and drills a three, puts him back up 13. This game was in hand almost the entirety 
of last night's ball game, Phil. Arkansas controlled it from the first possession on, and it was just a, a display that wasn't really capped off by typical Arkansas basketball in terms of defense. They forced nine turnovers last night. You would yeah. think them going up 84-72 to 72 and getting a W, you'd think, man, they must have forced a lot of turnovers and were getting a lot of fast-break points. That wasn't the case last night. They were just so offensively potent at every single position last night. Gabe Osaboyan hits a three. Reggie Chaney goes for 14 points. Just stop back for a moment and just think about what you just said. Gabe Osaboyan hits a three. And it was a long three. Yeah. Because the, the line is further is farther back now. Now, let me ask you something, Ty. Just based upon your voice, as you and I have been doing this show for about six and a half months now, it sounds to me like you got loud cheering, cheering yesterday because you sound you sound a little bit hoarse. You must have gotten fired up watching that game. I think a lot of fans that might have just kind of put the game on just to say they did, I think they might have felt the same way because when you watch them, I mean, you're talking about how they played offensively. Look at how they played defensively, too. Yeah. Swarming the ball. This zone defense that, that they broke out yesterday. I mean, every every time Providence passed the ball, they had a couple of defenders or just one defender that just was right on top of them. There was no room for, for Providence to, to maneuver. And, and really, they... They they ended their offense came right down to jacking up long three pointers. They looked like a frustrated team. They looked like some of the games that Arkansas looked like during the portion of the schedule in February, where they just you didn't really know what they were doing offensively, and it just came down to jacking up threes left and right. I thought Arkansas just frustrated Providence from the get go, and you could see it. And the announcers even mentioned it too. It's the truth. It looked like a team that by the time you were halfway through the first half, they were ready for their season to be over. Yeah, it was a bad look. And you got to credit Arkansas for what they did last night. And I know you mentioned the defense, but how about the offense last night? These guys shoot 10 for 21 from the three-point line, 47%. Yeah. Providence, on the other hand, goes 3 for 23. You limit, it to him, limit them to 38% shooting, under 40% for the game. It was just a, a clinic on both ends of the floor. Honestly, it could have been a lot farther than 12 points last night, Phil. I honestly thought that was a little close for how Arkansas really dominated the entirety of the game last night. So why does your voice sound the way that it sounds? Um, Were you standing and screaming? No, it's a combination of me being tired because I'm pulling double duty, having to talk a little more on the morning rush since Tommy's on vacation, and I'm okay. sick. So that's that doesn't ever help. I've been, I got a runny nose, uh, head doesn't feel great. It, I think it's just a cold, but that's why my voice is a little callous. Maybe it's maybe it sounds better than my usual squeaky millennial self. So I, don't know. I thought maybe I know because I know later on in the show when we do change my mind, you're going to bring up chicken wings. I thought maybe you you accidentally inhaled some extremely spicy sauce. You know, went down the wrong pipe, which can screw up your voice for a day or so. I thought maybe that was the case, or that you were just so excited from what you saw yesterday from the basketball team that uh, that you figured uh, you might as well stand up and cheer. Or maybe you felt the same way about watching Arkansas baseball go up 11 to nothing That's on incredible. Texas in the fourth inning. That was a, that was amazing. Uh really I mean you saw two games and and and, the, and again, I midweek baseball it's not you don't draw that line between midweek baseball and the NIT. You, you don't, but it's just different sort of games. Yeah. Midweek baseball is not the same as weekend baseball, just the same like, you know, the NIT isn't the same as the NCAA. Uh it, it, the importance of them doesn't quite go hand in hand. 
but that was an impressive display by Arkansas, uh, especially the lineup yesterday and Cole Ramage coming out of the pen looking great. The vulture. Um, he is. I mean, they're calling him the vulture because he's getting wins and relief. Usually a vulture, a vulture would be a pitcher that kind of blows a save and gets a win out of it that he didn't necessarily deserve. I don't know if I'd go with Ramage saying, I mean, he's 5-0 and now. Goodness gracious. He's got five of the wins for a team that's picked up now. How many victories on the season? They won, they've won 17 games. Ramage has five of them. Uh, so... That's that's as what's a, that as a reliever. What, well, what that's telling you is that your starting pitchers aren't really going very deep. I yeah. mean, he's he's come out pitching on Saturdays when when uh, when when Connor Nolan's been out there. Connor hasn't really been going, you know, past the fifth or even into the fifth sometimes. So I think that's more than anything why Ramage is getting win. It was the case yesterday. He got four innings out of Patrick Wicklander. All right, well, let's get back to basketball here. So, so I mean, the the big question for 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 me. Without Daniel Gafford, is who's your who's your big players? Who are your tall guys? Who are your physical players? And Reggie Cheney looked like the Reggie Cheney that you had flashes of during the non-conference season and and some of the games in January, and they yeah. just kind of disappeared throughout mm-hmm. February. He was energetic. He was active. He played tough. He blocked seven freaking shots, and it wasn't just him. It was Ethan Henderson, who I feel like. Nobody even knew what Ethan Henderson looked like. They didn't even know what his uniform number was, and it's 24. They didn't realize that he was on the team. It would kind of become almost like a joke, you know, just saying his name, and you're figuring, ah, you know, this guy's got nothing because Mike isn't playing him at all. Yeah. He looked like a player yesterday. He looked like somebody that can run the floor, that can get up in the air, that can present some problems for a team, I think, on the defensive side. And, oh, I mean, it almost leaves you with more hope going into next season, although that's oh, just easy. really that. What that, I'm saying almost. it it You can't take what you're seeing from this yeah, and transport it to next season. It doesn't work that way. I think the roster is going to look much different once you get to November. Maybe the coaching staff still looks different once you get to November. Yeah. This is the end of this season. It isn't really the start of next season. Just like you need to pump the brakes on hope about next year's basketball team, you also need to pump the brakes concerning that this team's better off with Daniel Gafford not on Mm -hmm. the team. Because that thought process came out several times last night when Arkansas thoroughly dominated. And what happens a lot of time in sports, and we've addressed this, is you react to what you've seen lately. And if you look at Arkansas, I think Scotty Bordelon, who we're going to have on the, uh, the bottom of the hour, I think he put this out, that Arkansas is minus 128 when Daniel Gafford is on the floor. So they were able to get a good win last night, and it was an inspired win, and you could tell whatever Mike said to the guys in the locker room, that obviously motivated them to come out last night. But, Bill, this is not the Patrick Ewing theory. Are you familiar with that by chance? Yeah, I okay. know. It's the, it's the idea of of, subtra- of addition by subtraction. Yeah. Which I'm hearing the same theory about the Washington Nationals and Bryce Harper. I'm hearing the same thing about the Pittsburgh Steelers without Le- Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. I think in some cases that can be the case. If you're talking about a so-called uh, you know, locker room cancer, 
you know, I don't, I don't think Gafford was like that. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's the case at all. Uh, I think with Harper, with Bryce Harper, and he drew way too much attention uh, to himself. And I think the contract negotiations or lack thereof was hanging over that team. If you say the same thing about the Steelers, this is a different thing with Arkansas basketball and Daniel Gafford. Not only was he their best player. I think he was their emotional leader, I think. And at times, leadership was lacking. So, I mean, maybe that can go on Gafford, too, at times. But you can't just do it all by yourself. There's no doubt. They're a better team with him. Without him, you almost feel like you are beholden to the energy level of the team you're facing. Yeah. And and Providence just, I mean, look, they had barely over 3,000 in attendance yesterday. It didn't look like a team from the start. Once they realized that this Arkansas team is still athletic and has some length and they were draining threes, they might have tried to make a run or two, but every time Arkansas answered, you could just see that the Friars' shoulders slumped a little more, those eyes went down to the ground. And so, I mean, it's the same thing as when you're playing Indiana. They'd be without their best player apparently too. So it'll it's, it's going to end up being who who cares more. And that's, that's a little cheesy sometimes to put it in those ways but for regular true. season games, but it is. Mm-hmm. For a tournament like this, I think it is. It's about who cares more. And with the Indiana game come Saturday, I believe it's going to be Saturday afternoon. It's to be announced. They have not announced the actual game time for it yet. Jawan Morgan is going to be getting the rock multiple times in this ball game. So Arkansas, yes, Providence had a guy or two that was averaging double figures down low, but... Juwan Morgan is a better player. I believe he's a senior, and I think he was the guy that missed that tip-in in the first game in Fayetteville this year. So I think he's going to be wanting... I think he went 10 for 15 against the St. Francis team that they beat last night. So they're going to... Archie Miller is going to try and get to the rock to him early and often. And then concerning how Arkansas looked last night without Daniel Gafford. For the majority of season, they've run out a four-out, one-in set. What that means, for those who don't know basketball terms is basically Daniel Gafford was down low, and they had four other guys surrounding him on the perimeter. A lot of times last night, you just ran five out. Now, Ethan Henderson, Reggie Chaney, Adriel Bailey, and Gabo Saboyan aren't necessarily lethal three-point shooters at the four and five position, but what that did is it opened up the lane for all the players, whether it was Jalen Harris, Isaiah Joe, Mason Jones, Desi Sills. They had the ability... Not necessarily that they can do the exact same thing when Daniel Gafford is kind of not clogging the lane, but is holding his man down there. Well, and but, he's going to get extra attention just by his presence exactly. being in that lane. So if you if you eliminate the presence from that lane, then theoretically there's more room to drive and maybe kick out. But it changes the team. It changes the offensive approach. Yeah, you're not worried about lobbing it into the post. You're not worried about trying to get Gafford set up. Um, it also means. You know, your best offensive rebounder isn't there. So then it certainly helps when you knock down 51% of your shots in 10 of your yeah. 21 threes. So, again, I don't know if you would expect the same sort of performance shooting wise, but I also think that mentally and emotionally, they know that they have to perform at a higher level if, they, if this season is going to continue. I always question the thought that if once you're on a court, how can you not care about the outcome of the game that you're playing in? A court, a field, you know, a ring, whatever. Uh, and, and it looked like the entire roster yesterday wanted to play that game yesterday with pride. It, they, it looks like they want to make a run. Yeah. They, I don't think they're bitter at Daniel at all. Not one bit. I think if they were in the same situation, 
they probably would have, you know, some of those kids would have done the same thing. But it all it also means to them that it's like a circle the wagons kind of an idea. Yeah. You know, our best guy is gone. There's nothing we can do about that. That doesn't mean that we have to put our tails between our legs and and just die right in front of everybody. Now is the opportunity that each of them have that even if they're not going to be here, if they're not going to be at Arkansas in the next season, if there are, as we've heard rumors of, a few players that are looking to transfer out, this is nationally televised basketball. There are other people watching who might actually bring you to campus at some point. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's like, like a contract play- year, you know, like you- you're playing for yourself. Exactly. At the same time that you're playing for the team. And they looked like a closer group yesterday. I just it's it's a ridiculous thought and idea that this team is better without Daniel Gafford. It's ridiculous they're, to think this. they're different. And that's yes. that's the key word that you have to replace that better because this is a different ball club. If you watch the offense last night comparatively to the rest of the season when Daniel Gafford is on the floor, there was you could spot out multiple differences and it, it was just in the sets themselves when you're running the offense, when you're running what they do a lot of motion, it's a lot different when you're running four out one in comparatively to just five out, five on the perimeter. And it's not like that either of them are bad offenses either way. One worked against Providence last night. I think, I mean, actually, I don't know. I'm curious to see what would have happened if Daniel Gafford had participated in last night's game and how that would have changed up their whole mindset. But again, as you mentioned, as I mentioned, and I don't get where this thought is coming from, where the uh, where people can get this, concoct this idea. This team is not better off with Daniel Gafford. They had one really good showing in the NIT. Now, you can start to question, hey, if this team somehow, some way makes it to the NIT championship and wins the whole thing, then you can actually throw out that statement and have something to back it up. But until then, they could easily walk into Bloomington, Indiana Saturday afternoon and get their tails kicked in and just get absolutely clobbered. And then not a single person will utter the words, this team is better off with Daniel without Daniel Gafford. That just won't happen, Phil. Right. I mean, if you are into the idea of the Patrick Ewing theory, if it really is addition by subtraction, the reason that this works, and I think it's more professional sports yeah. than in college sports, it's because of contract negotiations hanging over a club. It's because of locker room cancers that are killing team culture. Which are a lot more prevalent at the professional level than they are at the collegiate level because the egos are a lot bigger. Well, and there are, it's it happens in college sports, too. Um, and, and I think sometimes more between uh, recruiting classes of different coaches. Uh, but but with Gafford, I, I never got that sense this year that he was that he was sulking in a way that would that would hurt the team or that he wasn't playing hard. Yeah, just based or, on his play. Like, dude was diving for loose balls with three minutes to go in the game when they're down by 20. That just didn't, based on his play, you know, like play by example, it didn't seem that like from his play, Phil. Right. He, he and his teammates seemed to have true love between each other as far as teammates go. You know, I think he played the game with respect. And I think you made a good point yesterday. Uh, maybe I looked a little too much into the, the, the little shouting match that Gafford and Coach Anderson had in the middle of February because that's going to happen between that, – that just happens. And, and it just happened on camera at that point. It happens during practices. It happens during games at times. Uh, but, uh, but Gafford, to me, doesn't seem like the sort of player that you get better by not having especially when he was, without question, 
and far and away the the most consistent and best player on the team. The only problem is is that for a player like him, you got to be able to get him the ball. He's not going to score himself. He's either going to put back a missed shot, or he needs somebody to get it into him to either lob it into the post or or uh, or set him up with a good entry pass. Uh, and and that that's why perhaps for yesterday and maybe for this NIT with this different offensive scheme that you're talking about, because it's a different set of players now. You know, when you remove your best player, uh, maybe that's why. You know that maybe that's why you know Desi shoots so well from the outside. Maybe maybe that's why uh, Isaiah. You know Isaiah didn't have his best shooting game, but it looked like he was a little more interested in, in driving a little bit. And that's why Mason Jones did what he does. That's why Reggie Cheney. I mean, steps into that void and 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 does what he does. Everybody stepped up their game yesterday in a way that didn't happen against Florida in the SEC tournament. And I think in their minds, they're thinking, our best player's not here, our guy is not here, our NBA prospect is not here. i got to do something to step up my game because I'm not ready for the season to end. And let's close on this note. Based off the win last night, we've heard certain rumblings, and you're always going to hear rumblings, whether it's message boards, different people you talk to that might have a connection to the university or two. But Mike's security... As of the after the Florida loss was kind of it wasn't as solid foundationally wise as it had been in years past, but the game last night, I just I at this point I don't think you can. Andrew Hutchinson said on the morning rush, I don't think you can fire Mike Anderson after that win last night. Now if they could go to Indiana and get beat clobbered by like thirty, then maybe you can change your tune. But I I think he's you and I both agreed that he was going to get another year regardless of what happened this season. I think last night kind of solidified that. You're listening to the Halftime Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Phil Elson PXP and at Thai Sports Radio. Beard ahead to Gaffers. How about a windmill? Let's put a little exclamation point on it. The Hogs are moving on. Scotty Borlon writes about Arkansas basketball these days and a lot else over at the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. And joins us right now here on Halftime. We appreciate him joining us. Scotty, you know, if I was to look at the biggest quote yesterday from Mike Anderson after the pounding of the Friars, it's that he told the team, you are the sum of all its parts. And so if you subtract the best player on the team, but then the rest of the team still is the sum of those parts, and every single one of them steps up their game, you get a performance like you did yesterday. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I... When I write my post-game thoughts or write my stories uh, following, you know, a, a game that's on the road or maybe even at a neutral site that I don't travel to, you know, I listened to Mike's uh, interview with Chuck Barrett after the game, and one of the things that Mike said last night is, you know, this roster, now that Dan is gone, doesn't particularly have a guy that can go get you 29 and 16, you know, like, like Dan did against Alabama. But what it, what you do have I guess and last night was a great example. Reggie Cheney, Gabo Savoyan, and Adrio Bailey go for 30 and 15 combined. So you kind of make up a little a little bit uh, for Dan's absence when those guys play well. And and obviously it, it also really helps when you shoot uh, 45% or better uh, from three uh, like they did last night. That was the fifth time in the last, last six games they've shot 45% or better from three. So... Yeah, I mean they were the sum of all their parts last night. And it was it was it was pretty fun to watch. Like we hadn't seen Arkansas play with that kind of pace um, in a while. And I think after the first four minutes of the game, they were on pace to play about eighty possessions. Uh, 
which is Arkansas hadn't done that since they lost uh, at Tennessee in, in January. And I think they finished like in the like the low 70s, and that's that's a pace you want to play at. Those guys, those guys stepped up last night for sure. Scott, I think it's funny. You also had to start your piece in, in the Democrat today with something that you would never think you'd even have to, 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 to tell anybody. First things first, Arkansas is not a better basketball team without Daniel Gafford. But, you know, and, and, and Ty and I were talking about the idea of, of subtraction, of addition by subtraction. But I don't, I don't, I think with some teams and some players, players that obviously don't care, uh, I'm th- maybe like a Ben Simmons at LSU. He just really didn't look invested in playing that year. Daniel Gafford's not that kind of player. I mean, I right. don't really think there's anybody who thinks that Arkansas truly is a better basketball team without Daniel Gafford. Yeah, I, de- I definitely think so. And it's the guy. I mean, it's it's the it's the the vocal minority. I think that we hear from the most. Um, but I wrote, you know, after Dan declared for the draft on Monday. And Mike was talking about who, like Ethan Henderson, was probably going to get more run, and it's an opportunity for him to kind of to kind of prove himself. Like the guy had played 28 minutes all season, and he had played like five in the last couple months. I think like the last month plus of the year. And then he goes out and plays 18 minutes and, and plays well, and um, maybe gives you a little bit of reason for optimism for next year. Um, but this team, like throughout the year when Dan was off the floor, I'm, I'm privy just to. A, a basketball analytics site called Hoop Wins, and throughout the year when Dan was off the floor, Arkansas got outscored by 123 points. And were, they were not good offensively, defensively. The only thing that they did well was turn teams over. And uh, you know when Dan was on the floor, they were plus 206 going into last night. So I mean that right there tells you that Arkansas is not a better team with without Daniel Gafford. I think that I think that's I mean that's very clear. In my eyes, and I think a lot of people's minds, but there's certainly a, a certain section um, of basketball fans in the state and or wherever uh, they root Arkansas on from that, that, that believe that. Scotty Bordelon, Whole Hog Sports, our guest here on halftime. Scotty, one of the interesting things about this game on Saturday night, Romeo Langford either sat out with an injury or just sat out because it was the NIT last night. You have Daniel Gafford mm-hmm. coming out on Monday saying he's declaring for the draft. Mike announced that on Monday. This has become a big thing in college bowl games that don't really matter. Do you think this is the next step in college athletics that athletes, particularly basketball, are going to sit out the NIT? Yeah, I think it could be a trend. And, you know, me and Bob Holt were, th- were talking the other day after the press conference when we found out Dan, like I got, I got told that Dan wasn't going to play Sunday night. So I was kind of expecting him. I was kind of expecting that announcement on Monday. But me and Bob were kind of brainstorming, trying to think of who are guys that have done this before. We can't really, couldn't really pinpoint a name. Um, but yeah, I mean, Dan's protecting his investment, and like we don't really know if Romeo Langford is like injured. Like I know IU said that the reason he sat out last night was because he had a back injury. Yeah, and I think that that kind of lingered from um, from the Big Ten tournament. But he was there last night. You know what I mean? So it it, it could it. Potentially could be that he's he's got a back injury. Um, I thought it I thought it kind of said something that he was there last night because if he was you know declaring for the draft early and, and just sitting out the NIT, I don't particularly know that he he would have been there. But yeah, I definitely think that that some people, um, some players that maybe their team maybe doesn't get to where they want and they they do get an NIT bid. I think uh, and you know they're they're projected. Um, First round pick or, or what have you? I think that could definitely. I think Dan may have may have started a trend there. 
So Jawan Morgan is the veteran of that ball club, but I think Romeo Langford is clearly the best basketball player on that team where he's projected in the ABA right. draft and whatnot. What's your gut tell you about him playing on Saturday? Yeah, I really, I really don't know. I don't know. I guess, well, you know, Mike, Mike I imagine we're going to get to talk to him tomorrow. And, you know, anytime, um, you know, anytime Arkansas plays against a team that, you know, they, they've had like one of their key guys out, you know, I think Mark Smith was an example um, when Arkansas played uh, at Missouri, you know, played Missouri for the second time. Somebody asked Mike if he expected Mark Smith and maybe another guy, I think it was Jeremiah Tillman, if he would play. And Mike, Mike always says that they're going to prepare as if they're going to play. But, you know, if, if Romeo Langford doesn't play, Indiana's a very average to below average offensive team. And I think you're going to see Juwan Morgan, like you said earlier, I was listening to you earlier, they're going to become a much more interior-oriented offense. And, you know, without Langford on the floor this year, they're Indiana's shooting, like, I think close to 52 or 53% on two-point field goals. And that tells me that Juwan Morgan's going to be the, the focal point. Scotty, I don't know if we just saw these guys at their best or if maybe they really can step into not the role that Daniel Gafford played, but just be bigs for a college basketball team and, and, and do good things. I mean, we saw more of Reggie Chaney this year than, than Ethan Henderson. Heck, we saw more of Jonathan Holmes than we saw of Ethan Henderson this year. Right. So, but to watch what he did and to watch the athleticism he displayed and, and to see Reggie doing, I think, some of the things that we saw in December – and in a little bit in January, uh, I, I don't know, and, and and I'm not quite sure if it's if it was just they were at their best, or if if this is the sort of thing that maybe you you can expect from a Reggie Cheney if he's given the opportunity to play more than he'd been playing of late. Yeah, I've been a big proponent of Reggie Cheney for for a vast majority of the year. Um, you know, I wrote a big takeout piece on him and kind of his upbringing, like before the season started, and figured he would be, you know, a big part of the team. You know, I. I thought, you know, Mike likes to go three guards and, and two forwards. And I've written several times about how good Reggie was when he was paired with, with Dan, regardless of, of who the uh, who the other three guards were. But last night, I think you kind of saw, like, his potential. Like, he's the first guy. Um, I think he's just the third guy in program history to go for 14, 14 points, five rebounds, and seven blocks in a game. Um, and the other one was, I think, Darian Towns, and then Daniel Gafford did it twice in a two-week span last year. Uh, last February, so yeah, I mean, we saw a lot more of Reggie Chaney, and I mean, with Dan being out, it opens up so much more opportunity for a guy like Reggie, who can. I mean, we know. I feel like we know what he's capable of, and last night he kind of he kind of showed it. And um, I looked at the stat broadcast and saw that he had seven blocks last night, and it kind of blew my mind. But I mean, that's that's what a guy like Reggie can do when he's when he's given ample opportunity. And one of the best things about yesterday's game, and maybe it, it, it leads to, uh, to to more wins too, is the idea that look, this team made gave out 19 assists on 29 made baskets, 10 three pointers, uh, and you did all that without getting, you know, really good shooting performance at all from Isaiah Joe, uh, who yeah. you know he's been streaky as a freshman, but if you if you have that that sort of style offensively that you saw yesterday. And you and you get a good shooting performance from Isaiah Joe. Looks like a team that might might be able to go kind of deep in the NIT. Yeah, they could, they could for sure. And uh, you know, Providence. I, I will say, like Providence, as bad as they were offensively. Like I, I looked at some of their analytics last night. Like they were last in the Big East in offensive efficiency. 
less than two point and three point field goal percentage, but their defense was best in the Big East. We losing on their head last night, and um, you know Providence isn't the best team by any stretch of the imagination, but they were a good defensive team uh, heading into that game. So um, yeah, like even with that, like I think Isaiah Joe went two of eight from three point range, but the rest of the guys went eight of thirteen, and that's that's really really what you need, um, especially like when you're like when your centerpiece is not there, like you've got to have other guys. That's something like Mike said. They were the some of all their parts last night, all the parts that they had left. Talking Arkansas basketball, Scotty Bordelon, Whole Hog Sports. Scotty, let's change up the topic a little more broader in the spectrum of college basketball. NCAA tournament starts tomorrow. I know you had the first four occur last night and tonight, but I don't think the really NCAA tournament kicks off until tomorrow. I, I know right. you've been really focused, center on with Arkansas basketball, and it's part of your job. It's part of Phil and I's job as well. Do you have an NCAA tournament champion picked out yet? Oh yeah, yeah. I've got Duke. I've got Duke beating Tennessee. Um, I'm just so fascinated, and I'm sure I'm not. I'm far from the only person that is so fascinated with Zion Williamson. Like I just don't think like Duke struggles to shoot the three, but when Zion Williamson's on the floor this year, Duke is shooting like something like 71 or 72 percent from two point range, and you're not gonna you're not gonna beat a team that shoots that well from that close to the rim. And all of Zion's shots give uh, like with the exception of just a few a game, I think he averages about two threes a game, you're not going to beat them. You're not going to beat Duke um, unless they just, like Zion's off and R.J. Barrett's off. And, I mean, we've not seen many games at all this year when both of those guys aren't playing well. Um, so I've got, Duke, I've got Duke beating Tennessee uh, in the national championship game. And I've also got Gonzaga and uh, North Carolina in the Final Four. All right, one more bracket question for you. And just to add to that, Duke has won. When they won their national championship, Scotty, just kind of help your pick. It's been when they've been a one seed four out of the five times, so maybe that'll help you out. So Phil and I and a number member are coming up with an – did you see that spun, most annoying sports media bracket by chance? Yeah, yeah, I did. We're going to get in trouble for this yeah. with some of our friends. Oh, yeah, you realize friends. that. Um, so we're doing a most annoying Arkansas sports media bracket. And I'm not asking you to pick out who you would think is a seed – of your colleagues or coworkers or just Arkansas sports media in general, but out of 64 Arkansas sports media members, Scotty, what would you see yourself in terms of most annoying Arkansas sports media member? It's your chance to be really yeah. self-deprecating. Yeah. Yeah. So, so tee off, my man. Yeah, I don't, I don't like. Maybe this is just me being. I don't know. Maybe this is me being arrogant, but I don't feel like I'm that annoying. You know what I mean? Like I'll just I'll lay out the I'll lay out what the players and the coaches say, and I'll back it up with Stats. The advanced <laughs> analytics that I have and stuff like that, and their quotes and stuff. I don't feel I honestly don't feel like I'm that annoying. Maybe other people might disagree, but um, I mean I just I use a lot of those facts to kind of back up what I'm writing. So and I don't I don't I'm not the guy to. I mean you you guys probably know you don't see me tweet just a whole lot during games, and when it's when I do, it's normally just facts, and I'm not. I'm totally against like the the social media culture where you're nobody on you're nobody unless you're like spewing hot takes and stuff like that. That's just not me. But I just, I guess I don't see myself as annoying as that annoying. So I might be a, like a 14 or a 15. All right, Scotty, you failed. You totally failed on the on the self deprecating thing. And you know the problem about what you're saying is I think you're probably right too. <laughs> All right, I appreciate your time as always, Scotty. We'll see you soon. You know, 14s and 15s can upset, you know, two and three seeds. So. They can. 
Good they point. really can. You know, in the spun, in the in the spun one, you had uh, you had a 13 seed Deadspin going all the way to the to the win. So, yep. so there you go, right there. All right, <laughs> good stuff, Scotty. Subscribe to hit that line on iTunes. You're listening to the halftime pod. Blood running through Daryl Macon's veins. The Razorbacks win it, 71 to 70. Caston Peter, catcher, backup catcher for the Texas Longhorns who hit an admittedly impressive home run in the fourth inning off of Patrick Wicklander yesterday that brought his Longhorns from down 11-2 to two to the eventual final score of 11-4. to four. So they were down seven runs. He came out for a curtain call. Are you kidding me? It's absolutely ridiculous. It's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. I don't care if you hit that ball into the Gulf of Mexico from the campus of the University of Texas. Have a little bit of feel for yourself. He comes out for the curtain call with the horns signal, and you're like, oh, my goodness. I mean, that is, uh, that's just, I would say it's cute, and I'd say that with, uh, I'd say that in, in, total, uh, in, in, in total fakeness and sarcasm, but it, it's actually stupid. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's so Texas. To take a curtain call when you're down seven runs. I love how you just hit a home run that you're just so impressed with. I love how you're kind of buying into this Texas hate now, which is funny to me because uh, I mean you you can't tell me you hated Texas what 25 years ago when you were still in Pittsburgh or, or doing minor league baseball stuff, but now that you're down here and you're an adopted Arkansan, you've suddenly just got this this vigor to. Crap on everything and anything Texas, right, Phil? Well, it's it's different. See, now I can separate the university from the state. Okay. From, from my travels with the Arkansas Travelers, I mean, half the Texas league is in Texas. Texas, yeah. So I always enjoyed my travels through Texas. I love San Antonio. I thought El Paso was lots of fun. Corpus Christi was a great town to go visit for baseball in Midland. It's Midland. Um, but then you, when you add, and then take the job at Arkansas, and you add the layer of, of, of Texas and the Longhorns. Now, admittedly, I, I don't have that old hatred for the Longhorns. I don't either. That so many of the the older people do that are still my age, because I, I was not part of Arkansas back in the Southwestern Conference days. Just wasn't. Um, but now that I've seen it up close. Now, let's see, I've, I've called one women's basketball game against Texas. That was my first year. Uh-huh. Other than that, it's it's just been the baseball games last season at Baum and in Omaha. And I know, you know, I'm not in, I'm not, obviously I'm not at the games, you know, yesterday and today. Mike Caps is calling those games. Good friend of mine for the, he's the Round Rock Express AAA announcer. I thought he did a good job last night. Um, but, but hey, I don't care who it would be. Let's say if that was an Arkansas player that came out for a curtain call down seven runs, I'd lambaste him. But here's the other thing, too. They would never do that. They just wouldn't. And, and look, I think David Pierce, who's the head coach for uh, for Texas, is a, is a really good coach. But I just, knowing the, the, the culture around Arkansas's baseball team, they might celebrate a home run. You know, last year you had Hunter Wilson come out with the, the hog hat and he'd put it on their heads and everything yeah. like that. But nobody's coming out for curtain calls. You know, you, you take a curtain call if you set a record, you know. Get a cycle, it. something like that. Something right. worth a curtain call, but not a home run when you're down 11-2. You know, the weirdest curtain call I've ever seen was uh, 
I saw I was it was the first year that the that the Giants ballpark in San Francisco was built, which in 2000 it was called Pac Bell Park. Yeah. And the first two games that they played there were were exhibition games against the New York Yankees. And Barry Bonds hit the first splash home run into McCovey Cove. It was a spring training game essentially. He got a curtain call for it. But that was also, you know, it's a new ballpark. It's the first one to go into the drink. It's, I also thought, I said, a, an exhibition game curtain call? This is a little bit weird. A little weird, yeah. So, but it, it's even weirder to see to see Caston Peter uh, come out for a curtain call down seven runs in the fourth inning. So anyway, uh, I'd say get off my lawn in that case. Just get off the freaking earth. Uh, but on, uh, on another on another token, we do we do this every Wednesday. I know you can't change my mind about Cast and Peter, but maybe there's some other things that Ty can change my mind about. I changed my mind. Hi, Joey. Hey, how you doing? He won't sell anybody out to buy his future. How can you be so obtuse? What did you call me? Obtuse? Is it deliberate? Son, you're forgetting yourself. Change my mind. I've always thought this. You know, the, uh, Major League Baseball actually opened up the regular season yesterday, or I guess overnight, <laughs> in Japan. And I just hate the thought of the first games of the season being played outside the United States. I don't have any problem with regular season games being played in, an, in another country. And look, the NBA, I think, has done this. The NFL has been playing games in, in England for uh, six, seven years now. Major League Baseball has played regular season games in Mexico and in Korea and in Australia and in Japan. But I just hate the thought of opening the season in Japan and then the A's and the Mariners come back to the United States, play more spring training games. And then get back to the, and then get into the regular season again. It's just such an odd, weird thing. And it's not the first time that it's happened. Look, I understand if you're going to play games all the way in Japan or in Australia, you've got jet lag to worry about, travel time to worry about. You got to let these guys get reacclimated to the time zone that they'll, that they live in or just reacclimated to coming back to the States. So I don't know. I, I don't know if there's another way to do it. But to me, and it used to be that the first pitch of the Major League Baseball season was always thrown in Cincinnati. And, and I think the reason that the first game was played in Cincinnati each year was because the Cincinnati uh, Redlegs were the first real professional baseball team. Uh, but they haven't done it that way in a long time. But I just can't, I can't swallow the fact of opening the Major League Baseball season in Japan. So I'll change my mind. Where is the majority of the season played? In the states, so you are really that taken aback when they play one game. Outside. It's not. It's not one game. It's the. It's the first games, and then to come back and then play spring training games again. It's so weird to play regular season games all the way out there. Come back, play spring training games, and then open the season again with an opening day. I mean, I don't know why. I don't know why those games in Japan have to matter. Then why are those regular season games? The baseball players agree to it when they. Me with sure the players did. union, so I mean, I'm they not saying sure it's did. right or wrong, but they agree to it, so that's on them. So I'm not gonna be able to change your mind, but you, you can't really blame the owners. You gotta blame the players. They're just as much to blame because they agree with the CPA. Oh, I'm not. I'm not putting blame on anybody. It's just to me, the idea is just it's just kind of stupid. And I got a mini change my mind that goes along with this. And the reason that they sent the Mariners out there uh, was uh, was because each you know the each hero resigned with Seattle. 
so that he could still go got back a cannon, to Japan and goodness. play. Yeah, that's amazing at that age to be able to throw like that. Can't hit much anymore, though. Uh, I think, and the, the reaction that they got, that he got yesterday when he came out of the game, uh, shows. And he, I think I felt like this for a while. I don't know another athlete that, to me, feels more important or more of a of like a god to his home country than Ichiro does to Japan. And and I'm I'm probably missing a few countries and athletes, but in my mind, in my knowledge, Ichiro to Japan is is godlike. Yeah. And I don't I don't know if there's another athlete that rises quite to that level. I think Jordan on the dream team when he was able to not only transit uh, United States but across the world and Messi with Argentina today, but I'm not going to dive too too deep into soccer. Phil March Madness, I'm going to bridge these two together because I want to talk about something with Jalen Rose and Bill Clinton, the conspiracy. But the two March Madness things I want to get into. Wings are the best March Madness food, and March Madness is the best postseason in all of sports. There's no upsets like you see anywhere else, like inside March Madness. It's a process that you get so many games in the first four days, and then you get some great Sweet 16 Elite Eight, and typically the Final Four game, the national championships are awesome. In terms of wings, it's hard to just beat wings and ranch. Like, I love pizza. You know how much I love pizza. I eat pizza at least two or three times a week. But when it comes to March Madness, I want some hot wings and I want some ranch. So, my first blended changed my mind for the first one. Wings are the best March Madness food, and March Madness is the best postseason in all of sports. Well, now, yesterday, you you and um, I think you and was it Bobby Regan were talking about the thought that the that that the NCAA tournament is just a weird, if not in Bobby's term, stupid way to decide the national champion. Because it's what, what did he? How did he describe it? He said, "Well, it's, you can't you can't tell necessarily who's better just based upon one team." And I subscribe to that too, more in a baseball sense. But I do think that series tell you who the better team is, where the depth is, and everything about that. But the, if you're talking about drama, I mean, if you're talking about uh, about just Day in, day out, great games for the most part. Yeah. Uh, March Madness, you know, the, the NCAA basketball tournament has cemented itself in in the American sports culture as where Cinderella comes to live more than anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't feel that way necessarily about uh, a run by an NFL team. I don't think you feel that way about, about you know, a Major League Baseball team in the postseason. Although I do think that, I mean, you, who... You know, you're talking to me here. I, I get more into the baseball playoffs than I do into March Madness, but I'm into I'm into the NCAA tournament as well. And I do, and I told you this. I really do like watching the MLB playoffs because I think the action there is spectacular. Well, and it's also, I mean, the regular season in baseball to me sometimes feels like it means more in the way that you select who's playing in the postseason yeah. than the way that it's all done. You know, in in, in so many different uh, so many different factors and. And uh, analytics that are thrown into to to decide in the sixty eight teams that are in in the po- in in March Madness. So I you know I would say it's the most exciting. I don't know if it's the best, you know, because I I want to feel like the team at the end is really the champion. I feel that way about the NFL. I feel that way about about baseball. Um, I don't you know I don't always feel that way about football, and I don't always feel that way about about basketball. But as far as drama. And everything that goes along with it, I don't. You, I don't know if you can you can beat what you get from the NCAA basketball tournament. That's fair. I can and win. as far I'm, as the wings are concerned, I almost like don't know you right now. I mean, you're you're my pizza man. You are the pizza guy. Now I'd say this: pizza and wings, 
go together yep. like peanut butter and jelly, in a sense, because that's why I love the hot sauce sopped up with the pizza crust. I don't, I'm not a guy that's going to eat my pizza crust just dry. You know, and I do like stuffed pizza crust. But I also like being able to take the leftover, you know, there's always like a little bit of cheese that has fallen off the pizza, a couple of the toppings, you got your shake cheese, you got your hot sauce. You can make a little a little fun boat of doughy fun right there for you. And if you mix in a couple of little strips that you ripped off of a, of a chicken or some leftover skin from your wings, think about that right there, man. That's a meal in and of itself. So you're I don't know hungry. if I'd say that that wings are the best March Madness food. It's that pizza belongs with the wings. And then, just like you would say, as long as you got all you can eat, you're not going to get up, not once. That's a big factor. And several of the restaurants that I will be attending this weekend while I'll be watching March Madness, including TGI Fridays, who has all-you-can-eat apps after 9. So I will be be going there. Last night I went went to an establishment in Little Rock, Uh a place that sells... German food, Fassler Hall, and I ate way too much sausage while I was watching the Arkansas basketball game, and it's hurting me today. We had a habanero chicken sausage. That sounds incredible. Which made the top of my head drip with sweat. So if I accidentally belch on the show today, you'll know exactly why. I'll welcome it. My second is, and I get a lot of these this time of the year, and I appreciate, I appreciate our listeners, and I love to think in radio that we, we build a relationship, you know, between the, the, the so-called personalities and the listeners. You, you bring us into your car every day, or you put us in your ears every day. And I feel the same way about the show that Ty and I do, and I feel the same way about doing the baseball broadcast and the women's basketball broadcast. We're like a member of your family that you look forward to or you don't look forward to seeing, but for some reason you feel compelled to be there with them. But I'm not going to take your Facebook friend requests. Because I've never met you before. And I get more of them this time of the year than I do, uh, you know, in, in October or during the summertime. And I appreciate it. I really do. But it, and, and everybody's got their own reasons for why they take or decline Facebook requests. Uh, and, and to people that aren't media members, it, it's usually a pretty simple thing. You know, people that you know that you're friends with will be your Facebook friends. In, in media, it's a whole different thing. And I look, I've I got a fan page that I've looked at never. I don't do anything with it. Maybe I should do more with it. Uh, but but we're, we're in positions where you feel like you know us, and I, we want you to feel like that. That's without question. It's a relationship. But it isn't really necessarily a relation. And I'll let you in my life. I'll tell you things that are going on. If you've paid attention to this show for these last six and a half months uh, i'm not closed about other things that are going on in my life uh than, than just sports and I, I know ty's been the same way but i won't take your facebook friend requests i don't want you to be insulted by that uh, i just want you to appreciate the idea that i i want to meet people face to face or feel like i know you from phone conversations you know that i've had with somebody over and over again to me my, my Twitter is different than my Facebook. You know, my Facebook, I've got a lot of stuff on my kids in there and things that don't necessarily belong uh, in, in, public in, in, in a strange, you know, in the, in the public sphere or, the, or in a stranger's head. Yeah. So just so I would say, you, go ahead, change my mind on this. 
you know what? I, I come from a different generation. Obviously, we can address this. Generational gap. Yeah, obviously, we address that every show. And I I have actually taken for requests from people I haven't known lately that I know just by judging that they're Arkansas fans and assuming by that they listen to our show. Now, these aren't like, you know, the the, the stunningly beautiful uh, 18-year-olds that are Facebook friending you from somewhere in, you know, Zimbabwe or Canada. Where, or do, those, where do those occur? I don't know, but I don't think they're real people. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to change your mind because you, you told me this like first or second week when I asked you about it. I, I don't remember how it got brought up, but, I mean, you're pretty steadfast in this belief, and I'm not going to be able to. So I'm just going to kind of tread forward and, okay. <laughs> and move on. Uh, so another Mike Francesa soundbite is going to hit our airwaves because according to Mike Francesa, Phil, a 16th seed has never been a one seed. So it's a very big deal for one of the teams, especially those 16s, who have never won a tournament game. So getting a win here is a real big deal. Shock it all in college basketball. UNBC makes history in Charlotte. So if you remember last year, UNBC beat Virginia, a one seed, for the first time ever in NCAA history, a 16 seed beat a one seed. Now, I don't know if W fan, if they enjoy seeing these Francesca clips go viral because he looks more like an idiot. Phil, my change my mind here is he should retire. And I'm wondering, so you and I, obviously this is an, a different show. There's not really, I produce it, but I'm also a co-host. If one of us says something wrong, we usually text each other, hey, it's this rather than that. We don't like to initially say it on air and try it because we don't want to do that or whatever. But I'm curious, like, if, if you're his producer, don't you let him know? Or do you just let him ramble on, look more and more like an idiot? And, of course, UNBC, who has a great Twitter account, had fun with this and said he was retired when we won, which was kind of funny because he had which retired. obviously he wasn't watching. Yeah, he had retired once before and then came back. I just don't know how that, you know, and I don't follow a ton of UNBC stuff. I don't follow a lot of Virginia stuff. But I feel like the common sports fan, the common college basketball fan, and Francesa claims to be a really college basketball and overall sports expert, how do you not know that? He's got to retire, man. This is embarrassing. It's kind of like Stephen A. Smith when acts when acts like he's the foremost authority on all sports and he continuously messes up over. I almost pulled a Stephen A. Smith clip from today, another one of his mess-ups. Yeah, it's time for Mike Francesa to retire, Phil. Change my no, mind. I don't want him to retire. We want to be able to keep talking about him in these very same ways. I want to be able to see him fall asleep. He's a shell of himself, show. though. Like you have I want to. I want to see. It's fun to watch somebody crash and burn like that, no, especially when they're at the top. I'm trying to change your mind. That's the only reason I'm saying these things because otherwise, it's it's sad to see something like this go down. Because he really, when you look at clips of what he was like in the '80s. Uh, and the the thirty of the thirty for thirty about Mad Dog and Mike, it was incredible. The show that they put together, he really was a foremost authority on sports. Yeah, on college football, on college basketball, on the NFL, on Major League Baseball, he was amazing. He's not like that anymore. He seems completely disinterested, and I think he was disinterested in his retirement. You know, and and. You would imagine that you know that, that that a guy that had that much power and that much clout, money, I would imagine mm-hmm. too. You know, it sucked enough away to where retirement would be fine. But I also I also know that when you're used to having the microphone in front of your face, 
And even if you make the decision to take it away, once that microphone isn't in front of your mouth any longer, it's, it's going to feel really weird to the point where it feels foreign and you feel like you got to get it back. And that's, that seems, that seems to what has happened here. And I guess he, I guess the, how long was he gone? I mean, was it just six or seven months of a retirement? Not even a year. And I always, I I always make this reference about sports radio. Sports radio is like cocaine. Once you start, you're not going to stop. That's why I haven't started cocaine and our contract and a number of other moral reasons that I haven't started doing cocaine. But I feel like that (laughs) sports radio is like cocaine. How much time you got here, right? (laughs) So, uh, I and I mean Ruskin's a great example. He was out what a year and then he came back. I mean, I don't know if I will ever at any point in time stop talking about sports. It's such it's like if you're into politics, you're into religion, you're into sports, those are like the three I feel like main arguments that you can always have fun with, always get into different not litigation, but um different conversations about and they're just ongoing and it's never ending. No, sports is always going to occur. You're always going to have sports talk. Now, it may be different forms of media, but it's always going to be out there. And he just, he still wants to be in it. He's just, he's not investing in the same time, which is a bummer because he used to be one of the greats. He was the pioneer, as you mentioned, of sports radio. So my, my last my last one goes to something that I enjoyed last night, which was trivia night um, at Fastler Hall in Little Rock. And when I was in South Carolina for the women's basketball tournament, uh, our my, our buddy Sturge and me went out, uh, and there was just one of the worst karaoke nights I've ever seen in my life. So I, trivia night is better than karaoke night because you just never know what you're going to get from karaoke night. Those, you're going to get some of the worst performances that you will ever see in your life. And if I want to see that, then I'm gonna then I'll turn on American Idol for the first six or seven weeks. That's it. You know, for trivia night, maybe you might you know realize how stupid you are compared to some others. Uh, but uh, but at least you have a sense of what you're getting into when you go there. And these are two big nights, you know, at uh, at establishments. So trivia night's better than karaoke night. If you can do it, change my mind. I can. I love trivia night. I, I, I love trivia compared to, again, I'm a very competitive person. I can't be competitive at something I suck at, and I'm terrible at singing. My stepsister has a good voice. I do not. I just don't. And yeah, so... The- the guy that Sturge and I were forced to listen to was trying to impress his girlfriend. He was he was singing some oh, I don't even remember the name of the band that he was performing. He went he would get up there and he R. Would Kelly. Hold the microphone in a certain way. Yeah, definitely not R. Kelly. <laughs> and 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 uh, and she wasn't paying a lick of attention. She just I think she just was enjoying the four minutes he was up there that she could actually drink by herself or drink with her with her girlfriend that was there, making sure that dude would actually go over there and perform over and oh yeah you're great go ahead back over yeah. there and keep singing that's how it usually goes all right my last one for change my mind this comes courtesy of Jalen Rose who had a little conspiracy dating back to the 1994 Elite Eight my junior year playing against Arkansas we got bamboozled people see Barack Obama at a Duke game right now and think that's new Bill Clinton was at our game while he was president but the thing was he went to Arkansas. And while they were out there warming up, we was in the locker room meeting the president. And I'll never forget, we oh. got on the court, and it was like nine minutes before the game. Oh, I like this. Oh, I like this story. Yeah, usually we got out there was like 20 minutes. So you think that Bill Clinton went to your locker room to delay you from taking the court, to rob you of valuable warm-up time, and that is why you lost to Arkansas. I love this conspiracy theory. I love it, too, and I, I 100% believe it. First off, Bill Clinton didn't go to Arkansas. I just want to 
put that out there. there. He taught there. Second, Jalen Rose went five for 19 in that game. So you could also blame you not having a good shooting performance. Also turned the ball over three times. Michigan did not hit a three-pointer until four minutes until the second half about then. So outside of Scotty Thurman going for 21 plus or 21 points in that game, hit four threes. I'm going to say good old Bill was politicking for his Razorbacks. Changed my mind. I can't. He was a sixth man. He was a sixth man for that team. And just like Nolan Richardson said he would call him Prez, there's no doubt about it. Bill knew what he was doing. That was a pretty smart man in most cases, not all of them. Like the Halftime Pod? Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast at hitthatline.com.